and welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan watch movies in the cinematic canon. Today's film is Rashomon, directed by Akira Kurosawa, starring Toshiro Mifuni and Machiko Kayo. My name is Cameron Tuttle, and I'm joined with Isaac Ransom. Isaac, how are you doing? I just want to say major applause for those pronunciations. I you know, I, I don't know. I, I could be. I, I could have just done it totally wrong. And well, you fooled j- me. You fooled me because we did Triangle of Sadness last week. I just gave up pro- probably through a bunch right, of names. Right, right. Not even that difficult. I was just like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to read directors' names. So you know, Cameron, you just carry us through. I'm doing well, Cameron. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? I am also doing well. It's been so long. I know we literally just hung out the other day, so it's really not long since we've seen each other. But it's been long, a while since we've done a podcast together. So uh, I just want to pat us on the back. We're like we're 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 prancing through the mountains, seeing each other for the first time in like you know decades, and we're we're gonna right. hug each other. It's like <laughs> it's like uh, at the end of the Lord of the Rings, you know, where they all they all jump onto the bed. <laughs> well, I think I think the audience has been upset because they're like, "Wow, Isaac and Cameron are hanging out so much." You know, I mentioned last week that uh, I I don't even know how many weeks it's been, but since the wedding and stuff, we spent a bunch of time for that. And then recently seeing you, I feel like they're like, wait, why, why weren't, why wasn't the audience invited to hang out with us? <laughs> well, we're back. All right. Don't well, worry. Some of the audience was, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we're here, we're, we're together doing a show and we're excited to be back. Cameron, thanks for coming out to the wedding and everything. Oh, yeah. I, I, I just want to ask you, you know, like if you had to compare that wedding to a movie, um, <laughs> what which which uh which movie wedding would it be is it are you saying is it the godfather or is it deer hunter <laughs> i kept thinking of deer hunter during it because i couldn't tell if it was going more into that like that's what i asked you on the, on the dance floor i was like is this more like deer hunter or the godfather because you couldn't tell if it was hinging into like that goofy like friend fun time or if it was like that much more like you know family <laughs> italian sort of thing or you could even say goodfellas right where they're just handing the checks right no um, i think i think it was it was probably more like deer hunter although a much deer hunter it's weird to to say that 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 your wedding was like that because that's like it's at like a banquet hall and stuff you know where it's not like a nice a super nice wedding which your your venue was very nice and so you know not to compare it visually but uh but feeling spirit wise i think we we're all having fun we we're we we're getting you know Getting getting loud, having having a good time, going to In and Out afterwards, making a ruckus in our in our tuxedos. You know, it was just it was it was all fun. You know, I just want to shout out. You know, we we always like to dunk on Tim Smith. He, the, Tim <laughs> was just a force to be reckoned with at this wedding. I felt like he was one hundred percent that like continued to go missing and also had the funniest one liners of where he's been, you know, like just needed to get some fresh air. Where have you, where have you been? Actually, can you tell us like actually where you went? Um, yeah, there was a fun moment where we lost Tim downtown. Don't want to get too into it. Not that it was that big of a deal, but it was just comical. So uh, I was going to say in more than, more than one way, he was a force to be reckoned with. Um, if you know what I mean? So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, but I was, I was going to mention, um, Jonathan Adam asked just such a good question, uh, while we were hanging out. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if you were, it was probably just me and him talking. So I don't think you were there, but he said, and, 
I think this is such a good point, and I'm not really sure how to combat this. He said that you are no longer uh, allowed to claim casual, that you are not oh. really a casual anymore. Um, I guess so. Do you think that's true? I, I don't know. Well, I will say the extensive film knowledge that's been pressure cooked into my brain through this show <laughs> kind of makes it hard to say that I'm a casual. I'm like begrudgingly like well-educated on film now. Um I think, if anything, we pitch the show to have the audience understand kind of where I'm coming from. But I do think my tolerance for more difficult movies to consume has gotten lower. That's probably the best way to put it. I still try to review films in the mind space of like, okay, I just saw Dune. And I know this movie isn't Dune. Or, you know, I saw Mad Max or you watched The Dark Knight. Like there's an there's a mass appeal with those movies that also have like a critical might, you know, and I try to look at movies like that uh, when I watch them to some degree, varying on other points of like my own enjoyment. And I think the movies that have surprised me uh, on this podcast have actually lived up to a standard like that. You look at a, a film like um, Casablanca, where I really was like. I don't know about this film. It didn't really like, like to me, I, I thought it was going to be like, um, what is that movie? Sunset Boulevard, right? It's that, it's a movie that you know and you've heard and you've never seen. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel like we have a lot of movies like that on this podcast. And I try to walk into a film like that and be like, okay, could this survive a modern audience? Could this, uh, keep up with someone like myself who sadly watches TikTok videos and is and watches way too much YouTube and plays video games and like media moves fast, right? Like there's kind of a perspective. And, and I think the reason I brought up those two movies is for me, Sunset Boulevard felt like an indie movie and wasn't quite the right hit for like what I would consider like for everyone. But a movie like Casablanca was surprisingly top tier, right? And I know everybody says that, but I was just so shocked how well it translated to kind of my own more modern perspective, I would say. I was surprised how well, like, the story and everything uh, kind of transcribed through time. And I, actually, I'm glad you asked that because I think time is a huge aspect in especially analyzing older movies. Um, and that was, that's, I'm sure that's something we're going to talk about with this movie. Yeah. Um, it's our, our four way back into black and white movies as well. But Jonathan, yeah. I, I get what you're saying for the sake of the show. We pitch <laughs> it that way, I think so that there's understanding. Um, but you know, we, we can argue on a technicality. I, I do know that I'm probably more in that, uh, educated space at this point, but well, I'm you know. sort of, I'm sort of curious about, um, two things with you, right? Whenever I ask you what you think of a movie, usually I get two answers. I get what you thought of the movie, um, and then I get what uh, Jules thought of the movie if she watched it with you. And so, to me, you're kind of sneaking in a casual along with your with your uncasual self. Uh, so, I I I do think we still get that, but but it it kind of has been eating away at me in some some sense. Not that. I, I mean, I do think you still approach things um, as if you're a casual, but it's, it, is, it is kind of not true anymore. Um, and yeah, I do just yeah. want to say, uh, I think you are um, 
not maybe not a film aficionado, but you've certainly you've probably seen, uh, uh, you know, if we're if we're sort of graphing by our age group or our age range or our generation, maybe, um, you're probably in the ninety fifth percentile of people. Sure. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting to have the conversations with people who consider themselves big film lovers. Like, I'll meet some people that are like, "Oh, I love movies. I I watched a ton of movies," and I'm like, "Oh, like I always try to be like, okay, like, what have you seen?" And they'll be like, "I saw the Batman. Did you uh, did you see that one?" And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I did." You know, and that tells you pretty quickly like who you're talking to. Not that that's a bad place to be at, right? Um, but what's really interesting is when you have a conversation with someone, they try to bring up an obscure movie and it's like, yeah, I've actually seen that. And <laughs> they're like, wait, what? What? Nobody has ever seen that. Right. And I've had a couple of those interactions as well. Um, I think the big thing for me is that like I'm so I feel like I've become more and more subjective of my own kind of enjoyment and feeling and viewing experience, which I know is like, ooh, that's like not what a critic should uh, necessarily base their enjoyment off a movie, right, on. And that's like the point, is that like I'm not a critic. I don't want to be a scholar. I just want to kind of tell you if I felt like it was good or not. And and I think that's where like the casual spirit remains. I also think that there are some movies where it's like, like I don't have the spirit to be like, let's just get through this, you know, because like you never know what's on the other side. Right, right, like right, right. Juzo was talking to me, uh, I, I think it was either last week or off off the show about Ghost Story, and like that's a movie where it's like I could sit there and be like, I'm gonna get through this because I'm sure there's a meaning in it. But when they're eating pie or cake or whatever the heck for 30 minutes, I'm like, I'm done. Like, this is a waste of my time. And I feel like most experts would be like, well, I have to see it through to really formulate my opinion. I'm like, I'm not going to do that. You know, <laughs> uh, like you're you're actually I'm sitting here waiting to be entertained. Right. I think that's probably um, the best way to put it. And I still haven't seen uh, Gladiator, so I'm excited for that, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I don't I haven't seen Gladiator either, actually. Um, there we go. I just well, know all the it. all the sort of memes about it. Uh, I don't have any uh first hand experience with it. Maybe but. maybe we should do some uh like kind of ancient warfare month or something, because I've never seen three hundred, which I know Zack Snyder yeah. is known to do, and I've never seen um I don't think I've seen like Clash of Titans, like the original. Not saying that you have to have seen that, but you know, you kind of you kind of get the theme I'm going for. Yeah, I think there's some there's some good ones. Have you seen Braveheart? No. Yeah, See? Braveheart's really one. good. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, for the, I mean, for the most part, it's kind of a weird subgenre because I feel like it it really picked up in like the 90s and 2000s uh you know there was just like a spate of those movies then it kind of fell off uh and now it's not really a thing anymore um i i remember this is weird um but I, when we were maybe like in junior high or high school there's a movie with uh russell crowe that came out called robin hood that i thought was really cool uh but i think it was just like my it was just the age 
bracket that we were in. Dude, I don't think I that movie is very feeling. good, but I hate that feeling. <laughs> I've seen the movie. I don't remember anything about it, but I've seen the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see. Uh, do you want to talk about a couple things you've been watching? Have you Have you watched anything recently? There's nothing I've watched recently. I know last week I talked about a bunch of films that I watched on the plane, and there was only one movie I want to talk about with you, Cameron, is that I saw The Northsman, mm. um, which was an interesting viewing experience on an airplane. I'm sure. Um, I really didn't like it. Really? I was surprised how much I was bored during the movie. And um, I was sort of reflecting on... I, I felt like the movie didn't have a lot of heart, mm. uh, which I was surprised by. And it was kind of hiding behind a north, uh, or like a Nordic facade. Um, whereas a lot of my experiences, well, I guess I mean recently I had been playing through God of War, which I feel like has so much like heart with that like cool mythology stuff. And I don't know, I was just like uh, expecting a little bit more um, like character drama feels, but. It, it feels like it's almost going for like a historical accuracy, which I felt kind of distancing. Um, even though there are some supernatural elements in it, it feels like it's trying to be um, almost like its own Game of Thrones universe attached to like some groundedness, but then none of the drama like cooks over like it does in Game of Thrones and none of the heart comes through like it does in some other adventure stories like that. And I don't know. I, I found it to be kind of bleak, um, mm. which Juzo said, well, you know, you kind of missed the experience of like the big screen, but he was like, it wasn't his favorite either. So yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I remember enjoying it. Um, and one of the things that I did like about it was even sor sort of for the cold, hard characters. And th this is going to sound weird because you, you just described it as, um, as bleak and uh not very sort of emotional or whatever um but in in terms of of robert eggers movies um i did find it uh i did find a lot of the um especially like you know the stuff with his father um and the stuff with with sort of the the seers or whatever they are the sort of witch ladies and and that kind of thing i felt i, I felt like it was very um uh, mythical in a way that I found um, compelling in sort of an emotional way or a, a, like a myth mythological sense. Um, and while the characters aren't really dramatic or um, emotional in that way, um, I did find some of sort of the, the thematic elements and, um, you know, the way that they, they sort of incorporate this mythological sense. Um, I did find that to be uh, pretty pretty interesting and uh, kept me engaged. Um, but I mean, l like you said, Jesus didn't really like it either. Um, so it's I I feel like to me the sort of third the last bit, especially the conclusion sort of stuff. Um, to me, that's not quite where the movie shines personally. Yeah. Uh, but I do I I did really love uh, sort of him and that 
that like far north town where he's kind of uh, terrorizing the the yeah. the people a little bit um, and you know becoming sort of a, a a legendary figure. I I found all that stuff pretty interesting and um and where where the movie shined for me. So you know what's interesting when you were talking about it, it kind of reminded me of Dune mm-hmm. in the way that it like feels kind of arm's length away, but maybe a second viewing you get, you feel a little bit more of the emotion or something like that. Uh, but I think Dune wowed me on the first viewing and this one didn't. So who knows? Maybe yeah. it just needs a second viewing and then it'll, uh, and I'll connect in some way, but I just didn't find that. Like I, di- I didn't find that satisfaction uh, with the film that I was not expecting, but at least, like I was like maybe there'll be something, and I didn't feel like it even met up to my mid expectations. Yeah, so I was kind of like, oh. yeah. Eggers uh, is kind of a a weird guy, um, and and his movies, um, are are a little bit distancing. So I'm I'm not surprised that you felt that way, but um, I would say this is one of his less distancing movies and maybe less bleak movies, <laughs> personally. But um, you know that that kind of goes just goes to his his catalog, I guess. Yeah. Cameron, what have you been watching? Um, so I went on an anniversary trip last week. Um, and so we were able to kind of relax and, and watch a couple movies. Um, so I showed Kiana, um, uh, uh, no country for old men, which I don't know if you've Mm. seen, have you seen that? I've not. My brother references it often. (laughs) Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a really, um, interesting movie in that uh it came out in kind of a a great year there's a couple other movies that year that that sort of are also spectacular um in this way there will be blood is is one of those um but the the coen brothers speaking of people who are who are just utterly bleak um (laughs) in terms of their art and their writing um and uh I I had seen this a couple times, maybe once in high school, once in college, maybe. Um, and so it was the first time rewatching it in a while. Um, and I was I was really blown away by a lot of the softer moments of it, um, things that I had just forgotten about. Um, the ending is haunting and kind of unsatisfying, but in a in a torturously beautiful way. Um, and Kiana was was. Like I was shocked at how scared she was at this movie because I don't consider it a, a scary movie, and she can usually take like some some violent stuff, and you know it's not it's not that big of a deal for her. But she was like very afraid of the main villain, um, mm-hmm. which I think is a testament to sort of the great filmmaking of it. Um, and then uh, oh, and and Javier Bardem's just amazing performance. Um, but uh, then we also watched in Insomnia, an early Chris Nolan movie that I don't think most people have seen. It's kind of fl- flies under the radar in a lot of his his lists, and um, it's a great detective thriller. I don't think it's it's his best movie by any means, but uh, it's shocking how much he does with such a little story and it reminded me of how good he can be with sort of, you know, some, some exceptional actors who are, you know, willing to give kind of these heartbreaking and, um, you know, strange performances that are, that are nuanced and kind of blend in between lines of, 
of what you think of these characters. And Robin Williams in it is just uh, spectacular. And it's an interesting sort of pairing, I would say, with with Seven. So if you haven't watched Insomnia, I would definitely I feel like it's a it's a really it's a strange movie for Nolan, but uh, it's worth watching because I, I think it's it's a it's a really good one by him. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You talk about small scale. That's one of my favorite things to see directors do now with kind of my, um, I guess, experience going through director's catalogs is when a, uh, and, and obviously this is an early Nolan film, but it's what I've wanted out of him for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's to just shrink down the scale, keep it small. I remember you had an experience watching Saw. Uh, I think last year and you're like, I, I like, I've never seen saw, but I know the setup is like very contained, right? Yeah. A lot of horror movies do that. Um, that was one of my favorite things about the hateful eight is that it was like Tarantino pushing it all into one room and what you could do with that with some incredible actors. Um, I think, you know, most recently we watched panic room. I think that's a good, uh, kind of scaling down into one space and it, it lets you kind of be more methodical uh, in the way that you're putting together the movie. I just, I, I love when directors do that. And it feels like a lot of directors now are just asked to go bigger and bigger. Um, I, or do like, TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, for some, some of the younger directors that we follow on the show, like, I mean, we, we haven't really talked too much about Taika Waititi, but I'm a big fan of him and what he did with Jojo Rabbit. I'd love to f- see him not make, you know, a Thor movie. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, or, or or someone like Jordan Peele, who just had, a, I think, a really big um, kind of adventure-esque, you know, movie. Like, it's like, I want to see him go small scale again, although I feel like he's just starting with, much more like big adventure films. So I'm, I'm for that. Anyways. Denis, Denis Villeneuve is someone who I think I would love, you know, obviously he's going to do Dune part two, but um, I would love for him to do sort of a prisoner's style movie again, something that's, that's smaller. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I really think the, the interesting thing is like now there's sort of two pathways. If you're a big name director, it's, it's, you know, go into Marvel do it or do a huge studio movie like that. Um, or sort of as you, as you go along the bed, the budgets get bigger, uh, things, expectations get bigger. Um, and you're sort of tasked with doing the impossible the next time and the next time and the next time. And I do wish a lot of, uh, directors would kind of be given the freedom. Maybe, maybe it is a thing of, uh, like Spielberg always said, you know, he, he would, he would do one for him and one for the studio. So maybe that's something that that more younger directors should should start to think about doing um, where they're able to sort of swing their weight around and do something a little smaller, a little more artistically powerful. But to be fair, someone like Nolan wants to do something bigger next time. So he doesn't really want to sure. do smaller. So. Yeah, but yeah. I wish he would uh, personally. I miss that. You know, I just. Uh, yeah, I feel like his films try to reach such incredibly deep or like philosophical things at this point. And what I learned to love about interstellar is how it starts pretty small, like just character wise and then goes into a much 
like it, it's interesting not to get too deep on this, but like how some of those bigger ideas kind of start with the small things and how they kind of loop almost like, um, I don't know, like some, some kind of like, it's like a yin and yang pull, um, yeah. with that stuff. So, uh, then you get a movie like tenant where it's like, I don't even know, <laughs> like it didn't start small. <laughs> it was big and it just remained, you know, blah. Right. Yeah. So anyways, uh, anything else you want to talk about Cameron or should I segue? No, that's it. I think we should get into it. Okay, this is Cinema Spectator. You can support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. Throw a couple dollars our way. See all the benefits over there. We did change our tier structure. We don't have bonus content each month. Uh, Cameron and I, just for the sake of integrity, wanted to be transparent. We haven't been able to hit that. And so we are going to put that on pause. But there are different benefits you can get, like writing a question on air. Check out the Patreon. All your guys' money and support helps the show continue to happen each week. We want to focus on the quality and the output of this show the best we can in our busy schedules. So we appreciate all you guys, even if you don't have a few dollars, giving us a rating, sharing the show. All that stuff helps. Shout out to our listeners in Europe. We see you. And Cameron, did we get that um, uh, situation fixed with some of those episodes not showing up? Yeah, it's um, all it's all Bobby? back. It all should be there. Okay, we had a little issue with some of the episodes disappearing I was talking about last week. All those episodes should be back. If you want to listen to the back catalog, we have covered a lot of movies, and I probably have been a lot dumber with my takes, so go ahead and make fun of me back there. But Cameron, it's time to get into this week's black and white movie with subtitles. I can't believe we're back here. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, we're doing an old foreign movie. Isn't it wonderful? Um, yes. So, uh, today's film is Rashomon, um, Akira Kurosawa classic. This is kind of the first, um, well, one, this, this put Kurosawa on the map for American audiences. Um, so that's kind of first and foremost, kind of important. Um, this was picked up, so made in 1950 and then picked up by RKO in 1951. Um, and so it, it did see a, a theatrical release in America, which is kind of unusual, for the time, um, it wouldn't get, uh, if you'll remember our sort of, uh, film history lessons, uh, a while ago, um, the sixties really were the time of getting a lot of foreign films. Uh, the studio system kind of, uh, t- started to turn down a bit and, uh, a lot of influences from other countries and other, uh, areas started to come over to, to America. So this was a little bit before that. And Kurosawa is actually one of the, the most influential people in, in sort of having that wave of foreign language movies. Um, and I think Kurosawa himself is a huge inspiration for movies that took place in the seventies and in the eighties, uh, specifically star Wars, I think is, is, you know, very often cited as kind of a, um, maybe not so much a remake, but, uh, but certainly inspired by, uh, a few of, of Kurosawa's films. Um, so to me, this is sort of the first foray as a, as a Kurosawa film. We haven't seen any of them so far, um, through this podcast, but I don't know. I find, I find this movie to be a little bit unusual in that I don't really like it that much, but I understand why it's, it's sort of canonized and, and it has this legendary status. Um, to me, it's, it's an interesting example of 
um, you know, this sort of nonlinear storytelling that we find in a lot of movies nowadays that was pretty unusual back in 1950. Um, and in, in this sense, uh, the, the cross cutting and the flashbacks and all of that sort of thing, um, really helps tell the narrative of the story, which is a very unclear narrative, uh, at the end, uh, at the end of the day on purpose, obviously it's trying to be sort of this, um, expose into the reasons people lie about certain things. Um, uh, you know, senses of honor being, uh, being, trampled on by each other and uh, everybody trying to protect themselves and their own reputations um, and that all going sort of haywire. Um, and it, it questions in a lot of ways, the, um, the true motivations of, of people and whether or not they're, when they tell something, you know, is it colored by their own perception or is it, um, or is it sort of a different, uh, experience? Is it something that they're uh, lying about or is it that, that they're fooling themselves with? And so that's kind of one of the interesting moral questions uh, that goes on in this movie. And uh, a lot of people might be familiar with the phrase, the Rashomon effect, um, because that's lived sort of a, a, a greater life beyond the movie. Um, and it, it, it sort of has this connotation of being... Um, when people tell vastly different stories of the same event um, and sort of how that happens and how people are able to, to experience these different things uh, uh, very differently to their own uh, interpretations. So um, what did you think of not just Rashomon, but uh, starting, you know, sort of inching our way into to Kurosawa. Well, I don't think we're going to do a whole month on him just to be forewarned, but, uh, just sort of experiencing him at, at first glance in his early stages. Yeah. I mean, his name is definitely like something that's mentioned often. And of course the connection to star Wars inspiration, I hadn't even, uh, connected the dots with this movie, um, that that was the director we're talking about. I, yeah, I, I think I'm interested to see some of his other work because there are things about this movie that are, like, they they intrigue me a lot more than um, some of the other foreign movies that we've watched. Most specifically, like, we've, we've seen French film, which doesn't really connect with me too much, but there are some scenarios where it does something about French movies feels at least in my experience, like, like you really have to dig around to figure out like what they're trying to tell you. <laughs> What's going you know? on. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm not like huge on that. Although other, some movies stand out in that chaotic energy. I'd say like playtime is definitely one that has, um, won me over with time. And, um, I think it uses that 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 kind of cultural stigma to its advantage, or at least my own bias uh, towards that. Kind of oppositely, like Korean movies to me um, really resonated with me, mm -hmm. and I don't have a ton of experience watching Japanese media or anime or things like that. There's obviously a massive influence in the video game space, 
with Japanese stuff. And so I have a little bit of exposure to that. But as far as watching cinema, um, I think this movie from the outside was a lot more interesting than actually watching the movie. And so hopefully if you're listening to (laughs) this episode, you can derive some value out of this film without having to watch it because at the end of the day, I was really bored and I felt pretty unengaged. What I found more interesting was where my mind was going historically. I mean, this movie came out in 1950. What? That's not even five years distant from World War II. And the events that happened in World War II are obviously influencing the tone and the feeling of this movie, right? Yes. Kind and the of thinking about actually. Um, now that it, you now that you bring it up, because um, one of the major things that happened post World War II um, in Japan was actually a lot of censorship with Japanese media, um, and this was one of the first movies to actually not be censored. Um, by uh, sort of the Americans who were occupying Japan in that day. So, um, you know, the the depictions of certain themes were were a lot more mature maybe than, than you could get away with in maybe in an, um, an American movie at the time, so. Yeah, and I, I also, like, it, it really just kind of resonated with me when I thought about, like, there have only been two nuclear bombs dropped on the same country. And now I'm watching a movie made by that country uh, only a few years after that, right? Like, what does this movie have to say? I think a lot of the film's themes can be tied to a loss in faith in humanity, right? Mm-hmm. Um, surprisingly, the end of the film uh, kind of resonates for hope, um, which I... You know, I, I appreciated that, but I I found that like the kind of parable-esque story of it to be not like super resonating and maybe there's the language barrier thing, but uh, I just, I don't know, like I, I found the historical aspect to be quite interesting um, when watching a movie like this and I think I've adapted my viewing experience to be like, wow, like I can kind of appreciate that a movie is super old. Like, I feel like this is a world I I was just really like kind of taken back by like, this is a world that doesn't have internet or cell phones or things like that. And I'm watching these guys run around. I'm like, they have no idea, you know, (laughs) they have absolutely no idea like what's going to happen next. Right. Um, and so there's, there's something like, obviously it's not like a huge draw to watch, watch a movie, but I don't know, like those, those things were hitting me. And as I'm sitting there, like trying to find things I like about the film, all I can find is more interesting things to reflect on than what's happening on screen when I when I'm watching this movie. Um, and so I think that's kind of a knock against it. But at the same time, I found some enjoyment, which I was surprised to have found because it was like I was actually I felt like I was giving the movie more of the benefit of the doubt than I expected to when I was watching. I was like, wow, you know, like. This is crazy. Um, And a lot of that was kind of backboarding off my experience of like what I liked about Korean cinema and how Japan comes from a very different place um, than Korea and how, um, you know, like I don't know. Because we talked about how in the 2000s and 2010s, Korean cinema kind of exploded, right? Like do we, is there 
do you know if there's a historical like landmark of when Japanese cinema like had some kind of um I don't know maybe growth? Yeah, it was right after this. It was um the 50s and 60s. I, that was a that was a huge time for Japanese cinema. Not and uh you know a lot of Kurosawa movies sort of this classical um you know uh, uh Edo uh samurai uh, that kind of whole aesthetic uh, that we're seeing in this movie. Um, but at, at the same time, you know, someone who we will definitely talk about in the future, who you will find much, much more boring. Uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to love it. Um, uh, Yozujiro Ozu, who I think uh, is probably a lot better of a filmmaker than, than Kurosawa um, in my mind. Uh, he was making sort of these these very soft, quiet, delicate, uh, d- dramatic movies um, about contemporary Japan, uh, Japan in, in the thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. So, um, you know, in in all of these, in this time period, you you did see sort of a growth of um, Japanese influence, uh, influencing both. Uh, America and sort of vice versa, America influencing Japan. And so, uh, yeah, in my mind, this is the time period that if you're going to sort of study Japanese cinema, um, it's, you know, basically starting with this and going to to the 60s, um, essentially. And then uh, as we could talk about a little bit, but probably not in this episode, um, Many of our favorite westerns that we've watched, uh, or at least s- several of my favorite westerns, are are directly taken from uh, Japanese movies or Kurosawa movies specifically, samurai movies, and then just transplanted into the American West because a lot of those themes are sort of very similar. And you could even see this as a um, uh, being implemented as as sort of a western movie. I, th- I think a lot of the themes. Uh, coincide and i think there are western adaptations of of this story so yeah what i think is surprising in considering the contrast between western films is that this is that explosive growth time in japanese film and this movie is the beginning of it and how kind of untraditional or non-linear the storytelling is from the start Mm-hmm. Uh, and how that's kind of an interesting aspect to the way that like narrative is is beginning to be shown on screen uh, in Japanese culture. Like I yeah, you can see like the Mexican standoff taking place um, in in a movie like this. Yeah, you know, and how you're hearing these different court case accounts of something and you're trying to make sense of like, what actually happened out there and there's no uh happy ending in this movie it's more of sort of like a um not preachy but like clear statement about like the state of mankind you know uh, which i don't know like for for that to be the beginning of the japanese growth in cinema like it's kind of backboarding off what um, you know American cinema did, and then just driving into the themes and ideas and the craftsmanship 
that they've always wanted to see out of the West. I think that's what you see in Korean cinema as well. Um, whereas something like French cinema and American cinema, they, they are kind of m- much earlier um, players in the, in the film space, right? Yeah, and they have very um, different views on what makes uh, what makes a movie good. Um, and, and a lot of sort of French thought about film is that, you know, it's not really supposed to entertain and, you know, that kind of thing. And, and I, I do think, um, Japanese films are inspired by American films, um, because of their focus on sort of, uh, in some ways on action and kind of engaging the audience in that way. Um, and, you know, Kurosawa, I think is the one who, who has sort of cross pollinated the most out of the 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 Japanese filmmakers um but i i do want to talk i guess a little bit about sort of some of the the plot um and some of the themes to me it's weird cuz i i agree with you that i'm not particularly interested while watching this movie uh, but it's one that I feel like I should be. It's really weird. It's I I usually don't get this experience with movies. Um, in some ways, I I know I kind of should like this movie because uh, it it sort of speaks to things that that are interesting to me personally. Um, but watching this movie is kind of another experience. I don't find it that engaging, um, and in some ways, I just find a lot of the writing a little bit lackluster um in a way that is like charming enough to to be still entertaining on the whole but not really diving that much deeper into sort of the the foundations of what it's trying to do um so but i'll I'll go over the story a little bit um it follows the recounting of a trial that takes place um of a man who has been murdered in the woods um and a woman his his wife uh who is raped by by the murder um and it it recounts based on you know two people who are sort of loosely acquainted to to the trial and to these sort of things um and everyone who's involved in the story so the wife uh the murderer and the dead man who they end up uh <laughs> being able to talk talk to with a uh a medium um every all three of them give different give wildly different re- recounting stories um of what happened and so um as we go through we we sort of the first one uh it obviously seems very biased um, and we're kind of primed to, to not believe him because he's, he's the murderer, you know, he's who we think is, uh, is the bad guy. So we, we kind of have this, this picture already in our mind that this isn't really what happened. He's, he's polishing things up though. I was noticing on this, on this rewatch, um, he doesn't really polish things up that much. <laughs> Um, right. And it is kind of interesting to think about what he what he values in that way um, as making himself look either tough or whatever, but not trying to make himself look innocent, uh, which I thought was an interesting choice. And I think it's probably a good one um, where he the 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 murderer uh, is not 
is not trying to make it look like he didn't murder the guy or you know something something else happened. No, I'm totally innocent. Um, he's admitting to uh, to doing it, but he's sort of making himself look like like sort of a heroic figure or a you know even someone who's kind of um, uh, bad, but uh, but. Uh, sort of in in an outlaw sense, you know, he's like his Han Solo in that way. So he's trying to make himself into that um, that bad boy archetype instead of uh, making himself look innocent. Then we get the depiction of the wife who who says something very very different uh, from from the bad guy, and in fact, um, even doesn't even know who who actually killed the husband and almost kind of hints that that she might have on accident um which is a very strange um decision i think i like her section maybe the least of all four of them um yeah and and then we we talk to the medium i actually really like the that that whole section and i like the aesthetic of you know they're in this courtyard uh and there's like gravel and the the medium's like waving around she's like dancing all over the place i think that that stuff is really cool and just visually kind of interesting um and then we get the presumably what we think is the actual story or maybe not um by the witness who who you know we started with in the beginning who were kind of hearing the whole recounting of um right he like double backs his story yes. um towards the end he's like well i actually saw the whole thing but i just didn't want to get involved in the courts which i think is also you know there's there's some complexity in it and just to know on the script cameron i think there probably could be a language barrier i feel like i have to kind of forgive some of um, I, I like what you said, like there's an aspect of charm to, to the script that kind of seems like, like it's charming, but in a way that's like, oh, that's not very well written. Right. But it could just be a translation. Thing. Well, I, I don't mean the dialogue necessarily to me. I'm, I'm talking more about sort of the, um, the actual story. Yeah. The three scenarios and kind of, um, I, 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 I guess it's hard because I understand, um, it's like, not only is it a Japanese movie, so there's already a sort of a, a barrier there culturally and, um, you know, language-wise. But then at, uh, at, at the same time, it's a story about feudal Japan. So there's like a time barrier that we also don't really get from our perspective either. So there's like, there's like a couple layers of separation. To me, it's... It's just a little bit hard, like the motivations of the three, it's hard to tease out for me. I think probably because there's that, there's those barriers. Um, and right. so like, you know, she, her talking about, um, you know, she faints and then, oh no, the, the dagger is like stuck in, in his chest. And, you know, and, and there's like a couple things where I'm like, I just, I don't know motivation wise, I don't really understand um, what's going on here. And so like, there's, there's a handful of scenarios where I, I just don't get it. Um, and even the, the, the spirit, the medium, why he, why he says, you know, he killed himself. You know, there's, there's just things that, um, to me, I, I get hung up on, 
um, story wise like that. Um, but overall, I I enjoy the um, I enjoy the the discussion of it and why people would lie or that that kind of thing. I just don't really follow it in this example. Sort of. Yeah, yeah. I think there's an aspect of like you understand it, but you don't really feel it. Yeah. Right? You don't really like it's not connecting. I think my favorite part was the account of the witness that didn't tell the full story. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the best part of the movie for me was there was kind of a like a crossing of of stories, right? Uh, that that comes together in an interesting manner because like the woman makes herself out to be a victim in in this in the in her account and the like the burglar makes himself out to be like han solo-esque so even you know obviously it's the 50s like the rape is there is not like anything graphic right it's like them kissing right Uh, but in his account it's like she couldn't resist how awesome he was, you know? And in her account, she was mortified, right? And then in her husband's account, he was, like, just disgusted by both of them and upset in his wife because of honor or something. Um, But I think there are aspects of all three of their stories that kind of come true in in the final story, Mm -hmm. Um, for example, the burglar talks about how he has this long sword fight, uh, that was amazing. And then in the final story, right? Like their sword fight is long, but it's like two guys who are really scared of fighting with swords. Right. Um, which I thought was a great kind of reversal. You brought up before we watched this movie that it reminded you of a very old version of the last duel, which we had a conversation on. Um, I think there are things that. I like about this movie uh, more than the last duel. First, that the like what you said about the complexity around the burglar, uh, how he's not delusional per se, <laughs> but he's kind of like he's like I know I'm bad, but like at least I'm kind of good in my own bad way, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, and and in the last duel, it's like it feels like um, Adam Driver's character is a lot more like psychopath ish or he's like reading everything wrong he's kind of like like he's creepier he's a lot creepier uh even his account is kind of like mm, you know he he doesn't have that self-awareness where in this movie it's almost um the burglar's kind of like goofy or like he's almost like comic relief which is a strange um way to i don't know show someone who's so bad right um my favorite the my favorite story was the fourth one because of how I don't know like i I felt like there was something coming through that sort of reminded me of anime or something that I've seen before where uh like it's it's basically like um and it's also something like with with gender roles that you don't see in the fifties very much where the wife turns the two men against each other by calling them both cowards uh, and how like clever that execution and, and kind of acting was. And also how she um, 
used their emotions after they called her weak and emotion and full of like crying emotions. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. there was just something really um, fun about that scene where she's like, she has like kind of this like villain moment where she's like laughing and she's like, you're weak because you won't fight for me. And, and my husband is weak because look at him. He's tied up. He's stupid anyways. And then they have like this sword fight and I'm like, Whoa, like this is actually kind of, I don't know. Like it's, 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 it's going in directions I didn't expect. Right. Um, and so it was cool to see that kind of come forward towards the end. I felt like there was a little bit of reward through sitting all of it. Uh, it's just, then there's that conversation because all of this is a recount of a trial and it's there, there are three characters hiding from the rain, like under this broken building. Right. Um, and they're talking about this happening. So it cuts back to those characters. Once the fourth story is told and, then there's like a little moment where uh, the guy who had the full story is explaining his story there and he's called a hypocrite and he's like, oh, I've lost all faith in humanity and there's a baby and he's like, I'm going to take care of this baby and there's hope because I'm taking care of this baby, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, like it wraps up in kind of a hopeful way and I, I'm like, I don't hate on the ending, but it just... So much of of this movie, like genuinely, when the credits rolled, I was like, "Well, you know, I saw it. I didn't really want to see it. Um, I feel like I really gave it a fair shot. I feel like not a lot of people need to watch this movie. That's like just kind of how I felt very quickly. Unless you're like, I don't know, very into old school Japanese samurai movies, like you have like a pre uh, conceived love or interest in that kind of thing." Like to me, this doesn't even really feel like it has that like awesome samurai energy to it, you know? Yeah. I, I'm just kinda I'm gonna I'm just kinda like, you know, I guess if you have to see like the movie that started it all, go ahead, but I really don't feel like most people need to. Um that's like saying you gotta go watch the you know, the train robbery movie, the great train <laughs> robbery or whatever. It's like No, you don't. You don't need to see that movie. Like it's whatever, you know? Uh <laughs> I I don't know. I, I just... Um, I was surprised how much I gave this movie a shot and how much I was like, just kind of like, okay. You know, like I just got up and I was like, okay, that's done. See ya. Bye-bye. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I feel the same way and I feel bad for saying it because this is like... This really does... Um, rise to the level of like oh this is like a this is a genuine classic movie um in a lot of ways and but but who cares you know like this is the this is the thing right (laughs) this is why i say i'm a casual (laughs) this is why i say i'm a casual and i'm glad you read that question at the beginning because people say this kind of stuff where they're like and you said it you were like I feel bad that this movie is not connecting with me and I feel like I should connect with it. And I'm like, you're only saying that because you consider yourself like a scholar of film. I don't. I don't like, and I'm just going to say it. This movie, (laughs) historically, there's something interesting there. It's not that good. It's not that good. There are much, there are much more important movies that you need to see before you die. I'm going to say that if you're going to tell me that if you have 10 movies to watch, this is going to be on that list? Absolutely. 10 not. movies? You know? I mean, no, definitely not. No, I mean, not in no world. But, but I mean, I do... That's the thing. It's like, I I understand why it's important for a lot of people. 
um, and why it sort of has a legacy. Um, I think the the interesting parts about it are are sort of the non-linear bits and uh, the pl- playing with perception and that kind of thing. But that's things that movies do all the time nowadays. So it's hard for me to to say that that's like important to go back and watch the roots of. Um, when especially like this movie, I just think doesn't really, I don't think it's aged well, particularly around sort of like the rape stuff. Um, I don't think it handles it that well. Um, and at this, I, I, I actually could see an argument. I know that like, I don't know if they actually say rape in the movie. No, they don't. But like, because you told me, oh, it's like the old version of The Last Duel. Like, I was like, okay, so there's something about rape here. I could see someone watching this and literally being like, what is even going on? Like, they're not even going to know, like... I don't think so. I think it's kind of clear what they're talking about. Because they, you know, they go on, they say, they talk about, like, her honor, and she's like... Okay, And he's, like, disgusted with her and that kind of thing. Um... Uh, to me, the the things that don't age well, like I said, it's just her story. I just don't think is, um, like I don't know. I don't I don't really see it that much. Um, I don't know. It's it's weird. It's weird for me to give that criticism because obviously this is a fifties movie about medieval Japan, so it's not like <laughs> you know, like what what are you gonna do? Like, of course, it hasn't aged that well. Um. But in some ways, I just don't see. I don't know that a lot of people are going to be like bought in because of that, and maybe they shouldn't be. Maybe there's no reason to be. Um, but I do find the, I do find the conceptualization of you know the reasons why people lie and and the reasons why people are trying to protect themselves or make themselves look better to people who maybe they don't even know or to the court or whatever. Um, I do find that to be interesting and sort of an intriguing experiment um, and worthy of exploring in, in film. And that's why I do think, I think the last duel is a much better movie personally. (laughs) It's weird to say, but I, I, I find the last duel to be much more compelling in that way um, because all of those things, all of those pieces that you see, those different perspectives, they all feel genuine and real and sort of the, the people in it feel like real people. Whereas this, I just don't get that at all. Uh, the people just seem so um, weird, different from my experience. So I just, I don't really understand sort of the motivations behind things. I'm just, I just want to say there's a lot going against this movie from connecting with you, at least as an American yeah. audience watching it, like, and, you know, Cameron and I are both in our mid-20s, right? Like, I feel like there's just a bit of a barrier there. Yeah, I, I think talking about The Last Duel and the way that it succeeds, I feel like if you're a fan of this movie, you're, like, screaming because you're like, why are you talking about The Last Duel? But, like, something that's interesting about the way that the last duel works with a unstructured recounting of the same stories is that it, it's like in each story you feel like it's the truth 
Um, which I think is very surprising how it's able to juggle that from the first story to the second story, changing the context of the first story, but still seeing how it's truthful. And the third story changing the context of the last two stories, yet still retaining the truth of the last two stories in its in in a clever way. Like it's quite surprising how it's able to kind of stack three, you know, truths, right? And um it also kind of home runs with um, the woman's account of the crimes against yeah. her uh, in the last duel. It's like, it's such a satisfying final um, like conclusion, right? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it, it's that movie gets me excited. This movie is like, you know, do you want to read a history book or something? You know, like <laughs> I think there's, there's definitely value. I'm not saying that this is something that should be forgotten or thrown away, but it's like, to me, it's for the cinephiles. It's for the people that like are involved. Like we're literally talking about like things that are like, you know, the start of cinema in American and French cultures. And then how other, other countries are then backboarding off what was built and putting their own spit on it. You think normal people give a crap about that when they're watching a movie? No, they don't, you know? They really don't. And it's like I'm thinking about it because sure, maybe I'm not an ex or maybe maybe I'm more of an expert and I'm finding something interesting about this movie, right? To to talk about on a podcast that I have to record soon, right? And then, like, the credits roll, and I'm like, yeah, like, I would never recommend that to anybody. <laughs> I know, you know? Like, sure. uh, uh, you'd have to be a very specific person. But to be fair um, to the movie, I do find the movie visually to be pretty interesting and have some some strange um, and unique frames, and a lot of the movement I find to be pretty pretty unique for the time period. Um, the look, Like I said, the look of the courtyard and the medium who's kind of like weird makeup and, and sort of has like a, uh, it's just, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, like the rain and how decrepit everything looks, uh, and everybody's yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the... like miserable the whole time and tatters and stuff, you know, like all that stuff is cool. Um, and so I don't want to discount that, but for the most part, I, I agree with you. It's, it's really not for casuals. It's, it's more of a cinephile movie. And I will say, People are familiar when you say like the Rashomon effect. I think people kind of know what that is, right? I I never heard of oh, it. Like okay. you say well. it, and I'm like, I guess I I like you. You say it out loud, and I'm like, I get. I guess I could somehow pretend to cheat on a test and try to explain <laughs> what that is. You know, if that was a question on a test, I'd be like, uh, I th- I'm gonna try. I think I could get close. I'd be wrong, but I thought I think I would know what to say um yeah i i mean i agree with you on the look stuff the where the where the guys are recounting the court case like the destroyed temple or whatever um that's pretty cool with the rain i found that there's a scene with the the um the burglar on the beach with the water (laughs) and the horse and he's like really like frantically kind of moving in the sand like a crazy person I found that entire scene to be like really satisfying to watch. Yeah. I was like, this is really amazing looking. Um, but other than that, you know, I guess there's some of like the forest 
stuff that I was drawn to, but not really compared to that. Uh, or the de- or the destroyed temple with the rain. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like we could watch some Japanese. That, that's the other thing is like we could watch some old Japanese cinema that I know I would love a lot more than this. Yes, yeah. That's the other thing. <laughs> yes, it's like true. I know that there's something that I would like a lot more. So if you're looking to get started, well, I watched the beginning of it all, I guess. Not of it all, but, you know, of like... It's not technically the, the beginning, but it is It is a lot of the beginning of the the influences from, um, you know, from Japanese movies to American movies. This is like one of the yes. very first examples of a Japanese movie crossing over to being sort of popularized in America. Um, so, I will tell you when to dip your toes in. That's what I'm going to say. I will tell you when to give it a shot. This is not the place to do it. Cameron, do you have any recommendations for where people should start with it? Or do you not want to share that? Um, Maybe not yet, because that's that's the other weird thing about... (laughs) A lot of samurai movies are strangely inaccessible in terms of just... just Like, the the better movie to watch is the Western remake, usually. It's so weird. I this is gonna. I people are gonna hate me for saying that, but I think I kind of think it's true. Um, but but I will say I love Yojimbo, which is a later Kurosawa movie. So, um, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would start with that one, but um, it's definitely more accessible than this. More accessible than Seven Samurai too, because Seven Samurai is as much as people love it, and I. I I enjoyed I remember enjoying it. It's like three and a half hours long. I don't I I don't know that we're gonna do it on the on the show <laughs> because mm. it's so it's so long and kind of tedious. I find it to be a little bit tedious. So um but Yojimbo is one of those movies that I think is is really great um and and worth watching. But for the most part, just just um we'll get to Ozu and and one thing about Ozu that I just love is the simplicity of his movies. It, it, it makes them universal in a, in a way. Um, and even if they're very bound to a particular time period, um, they're, they're kind of beautiful and, and simple uh, in the, in the right way that, that everybody can kind of, uh, if they don't, whether or not they find them enjoyable, that's a different thing. But everybody can kind of wrap their heads around things that are going on and the themes, and and all everything is is sort of about the drama of fam, like interpersonal family dramas. Um, and I do think that's kind of universal. And he's a he's a beautiful filmmaker. So we'll talk about that when we get there, but probably not soon. Maybe maybe in the new year. Um, I think I want to do something unusual next week. Can we do something? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Unusual. I haven't seen this movie. And it's been on my list for a long time. Um and I I want to say right here that I'm not a Hitchcock expert, which is why we really haven't done Hitchcock at all. Um but I want to explore Hitchcock. And so I I kind of find this to be a good time to do it. Um, And this is a movie that I think is universally acclaimed. Um, But like I said, I haven't seen it. So 
um, we'll be experiencing this together. I think next week we're going to watch Vertigo. Um, okay, okay. And I'm interested in what I think, what you think. This is this is always the, always the weird thing because with Hitchcock, he's such a um, a prolific filmmaker that I I find him intimidating and I find his his sort of catalog to be very intimidating. And all of the movies that I've watched by him, I've been not not down on or not like I dislike them, but for the most part, I haven't. I haven't like loved any of his movies really. Um, and loved as in like, a like, you know, otherworldly love, you know, like this is the best greatest thing of all time, but everybody seems to have him as like one of the greatest directors of all time. So I'm interested and maybe we'll do this for December. Maybe we'll di- dive deeper into Hitchcock, but I think for now we'll, we'll, we'll dip our toes in with vertigo. Um, and, and we'll see where we go from there. I would like to do cold movies in December. So movies with snow. All right. No, I'm just kidding. Cold movies. Um, sp- speaking of black and white psychological horror movies, Cameron, have you ever seen Gaslight? No, I haven't. I don't know why an English teacher made me watch Gaslight. It's a 1944 film. I was just looking it up. I think it's awesome. Mm. I think we should watch it. Right. I don't know. I, I, I'm i not sure. I think literally the teacher predicated watching the film on the fact that uh, we talked about the word gaslight. Sure. Um, as if like, what's the definition? It was an English class. And then she was like, you know what? We're going to watch this movie because it's, it's good. And I ended up really liking it. So I don't know. Like, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But um, everything I've seen Hitchcock reminded me of this film. Yeah. So I think, you know, maybe put that on the list. I just want to shout out Gaslight because I was impressed. That was one of the first black and white movies that I was like, yo, this ain't bad. This is pretty Well, good. interesting. interestingly, we have seen, um, I think, at least two movies that are technically uh, George Cukor movies. We've seen Philadelphia Story, which I don't know if you remember. I, I don't think I don't think I watched Yeah, you that. did. Did I? I don't remember it <laughs> at all. <laughs> There's no way I watched that movie. I think we watched what? Philadelphia Story. I'm pretty sure we did. Um, I don't think so. It's I don't it's think the, I she's the uh, she's the the journalist or reporter or whatever, um, and she you know she. This could be literally every movie <laughs> from the black and white era. So all right, fair enough. There's fair a reporter enough. and uh, the other movie okay, that, that is technically sort of a Kukor movie though it's kind of disputed, um, is uh, Gone with the Wind. Oh. So we have, we have seen Gone with the Wind. Well, Gone with the Wind sucks. So <laughs> I, I would say let's just watch Gaslight. <laughs> that is a much better movie than Gone with yeah. the Wind. Um, How long is Gaslight? Wait, now I got to see. This movie, oh, two hours. All right, maybe too long. No, 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 two hours. Maybe too long. That's fine. But maybe uh, next week we'll do uh, we'll do Vertigo, and um, who knows? I, I I don't have a plan for for the next month. So um, right now I think we're kind of catching up on things that are uh, that are going on, and we'll get back 
we'll get back to our regular, regularly scheduled programming with with the new year, probably. So I feel like Tim needs to watch Gaslight because it seems like there's some the, some babes in it, some old <laughs> some old babes he can fall in love with. So I thought you were gonna say that's that's like his his uh, his thing that he does uh, is Gaslight. He loves he loves he loves women in old movies that are probably dead. That's true. That is so. true. He does he does <laughs> love that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Cameron. Well, we post every Tuesday. We'll catch you guys next week. Uh, Until then, have a good one and have a great Thanksgiving too. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at Patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.